ഹൗലിക് brothers and elders when attending a dini gathering it's extremely important that we always keep refreshing our intention for that matter any action we should be refreshing our intentions before the action and in particular when attending a dini gathering then again the intention should be refreshed that the purpose of attending a dini gathering so there are many intentions one is to learn something about deen so that itself is a very great thing that a person sets out to learn something about deen man salaka tariqan yaltamisu fihi ilman sahhalallahu lahu bihi tariqan ilal jannah nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says the person who walks the path of seeking ilm knowledge of deen Allah Ta'ala eases the path to a jannat for him. So this is a very, very great thing that a person sets out to search for ilm, to acquire the knowledge of deen. Somebody would do it in a more detailed manner. Somebody as and when the occasions he can try and make. So that is also a very great objective and an intention. But then ilm in itself is not the end, but this is a means to the end. and the end is to reach allah tabaraka wa taala and that won't be by merely having the knowledge but by practicing on the knowledge the person has the knowledge but did not practice upon it then that could itself become a very great problem for him on the day of qiyamah wal qur'anu hujjatun laka aw alayk the quran will testify on behalf of some people the same quran will testify against others who did not practice upon it but learn the quran sharif so the amal on that knowledge that is a very very crucial part of it so therefore that should be part of that niyat that should be part of that objective of attending a dini gathering talk that what we will learn about deen we will inshallah practice upon it together with that to pass it on to others that is also part of our requirement balligu anni walaw aya nabi sallallahu alaihi says convey from me even if you have learned one ayat you've learned one ayat what you learned how much you learned exactly like that what you haven't learned don't get into it what you are not aware of don't delve into that that unfortunately is another problem that when it comes to deen and then the other thing is not a problem really when it comes to politics also then everybody is an expert fine let us all just remain experts in politics but in deen deen we don't take chances in 
a person who has the knowledge of something, then how much he has learned correctly, that much he passes on. What he hasn't learned, he doesn't delve into that. So in any case, this too is part of the niyat. Once our Hazrat, the Shah Hakim was discussing the same point, and he said, what is the niyat we've come with? He says, one of the very, very important niyats to make is that I'm going to meet the friends of Allah Ta'ala. He says, this whole gathering, these are all the friends of Allah. They've all come to, to search for Allah Ta'ala, meaning to search, to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. And every person has to think necessarily in that way, that the rest of the gathering, everybody is better than me. And as soon as any one person, I have to think for one moment that I am better than somebody, anybody thinks, we think about ourselves as better than somebody else. That is the, not just the start of the downfall, Allah forbid is already gone far. So this is also a very, very great intention to make. Because this is also a requirement to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. To be regularly in the company of pious people. To be in the company of the pious is something we have been taught right in the Quran Sharif and in the Ahadith repeatedly. In one Hadith Sharif, the dua that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught that Allahumma inni as'aluka hubbak. Ya Allah, I beg you for your muhabbat, for your love. That love is the driver. If that love is missing, it's a big problem. Everything will fall apart. Then it's not possible to sustain something without that love. So, ya Allah, I'm asking you for your love. And the love of those who love you. I'm asking you for your love. The love of those who love you. And then the last thing, وَحُبَّ amali يُبَلِّغُنِي حُبَّكَ Ya Allah, the love of those actions, those a'mal, that will make me reach you, make me reach your love. So in reality, the things that are the objective, this is the love of Allah Ta'ala, that is the destination, that is where we are aspiring to reach, because we get the love of Allah Ta'ala, we want Allah Ta'ala. And what will convey us to that point is the a'mal. The a'mal, this is what will take us to the correct a'mal. The sins will become a barrier. But the good actions, the righteous actions, this is the conveyance. This is the means by which a person will reach this destination. Now this is the destination itself, the love of Allah Ta'ala. And this is the conveyance and the means that will take us to this destination. But in this dua, there are three things asked for. One is, Ya Allah, grant us your love. Allahumma inni saluka hubbak. And in the end, wa hubba amali yuballighuni hubbak. Ya Allah, the love of those amal that will enable me to reach your love. But what is this in the middle? That in the middle of these two things, wa hubba may yuhibbuk. Ya Allah, grant me the love of those who love you. So where this came in the middle? This came in the middle to show that this is what will join these two things together for us. That this will bring us to those amal that will take us to Allah Ta'ala. The amal is what will take us, that's the conveyance, that's the means. And that's the destination. But the driver and the guide will be that we regularly remain in the company of fires. 
Because the type of company that the person adopts, that is the type of effect that will come on him. So he remains in the company of those who are inclined towards Allah Ta'ala, inclined towards deen, inclined towards righteousness, are making an effort to remain firm on deen, to stay far away from sin, to be fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala, to be following in the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, adopting his Mubarak way of life, and this is certainly going to have an impact on us. And we will be sooner or later inspired to also follow in the same direction. So this is an hubba may yuhibbuk. Allah grant me the love of those who love you. Nabi Islam is teaching us to ask this dua. And then in another hadith sharif it is mentioned that the person, well in regard to this niyat, that a person is going to a dini gathering, then this niyat. Ya Allah, I am going to visit your friends. I am going to visit my Muslim brothers who are the friends of Allah Ta'ala. So a person who visits his Muslim brother sincerely for Allah Ta'ala, not for any worldly purpose. Man aada maridan awzara akhan lahu fillah. person visits somebody who is ill, he visits his brother purely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. No other purpose. Then there's a caller calls out from the heavens, meaning an angel, announces to him that you have done a wonderful thing. Only somebody in dunya says to us, mashallah, you did well. That person could be meaning very well also, and sometimes somebody just to throw us out. They say, mashallah, you're doing very well. And then after that, when the person gets nicely inflated, then now they come to the main objective. Well, I got a little problem and how about a small loan? So, that was only the introduction. This was the body of the whole conversation. So, the point is that dunya, dunya will be all kinds of things. But an angel, angel only will say what is reality. Because an angel is announcing from the side of Allah Ta'ala. An angel is saying, mashallah, you've done a tremendously great thing. Your walking itself is so wonderful. And what you've actually really done is, You've built yourself a palace in Jannat. Now, on what? On visiting one's Muslim brother for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. So a person came to a dini gathering, how many people he will meet, and he had that niyad that he's coming to meet his Muslim brothers for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. So what a great thing. And... A person who sets out on this objective, he leaves home with this purpose, and he is leaving to meet his Muslim brother, meet the friends of Allah Ta'ala. Then 70,000 angels accompany him. From whatever distance a person came, 70,000 angels accompanied him. And he came with this intention. And then he finally meets his brother and he meets him for the sake of Allah Ta'ala alone. No ulterior motive. And then he greets him, makes salam to him. That angel says and makes dua for him. Allahumma innahu qad wasala fika fasilhu. Or kama qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The riwayat, Imam Bihaqi rahimullah quotes this riwayat. That the angels then make dua for him. Ya Allah, he has done this for you. You join him to you. He has joined and 
mended or he has maintained this relationship for you alone. Allah, you make him yours now. When the dua of the angels are being made and then 70,000 angels accompanying somebody, subhanallah, what can be imagined about this? So, this is one, one aspect to always bear in mind is the value of these dini gatherings. It might be some dini gathering where there's some dars quran taking place, some tafsir of the Quran Sharif taking place. It might be the talim after the Isha Salah in our masjid. It might be some talk of deen. It might be that gush that's taking place. It might be some majlis of some deen. All these are gatherings of tremendous value had we only known the value. What, by the way? It's not that the talim taking place is just, it's just happening. No, had we known the value, we would realize the immense value of it which the whole world can't put a figure to that value. So to appreciate these gatherings of deen and to have that correct intention, all these intentions that we've discussed, every bit of this is something that will enhance that little time in that gathering and that will become the means of us taking a lot from it. We'll come for a little while, but take a lot and go. So may Allah Ta'ala give me also first and foremost the tawfiq of always refreshing our intention, grant us all the tawfiq, that we always refresh the intentions and make all these intentions. That this is the purpose for our attending any gathering of deen. The ayat of the Quran Sharif that was recited at the beginning, Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala addresses Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and says to him, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ Allah Ta'ala says to Rasulullah that this is due to the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. It is His mercy upon you. That linta lahum, that you are very soft with the Sahaba. Very soft natured. Very, very kind, very compassionate, very soft natured. What is already being expressed in this is that that person who has been blessed with being soft with those around him, Obviously, this is referring to that where the lines of deen are not crossed. Because their person has to be firm. But within the limits of shariat and deen, a person has been blessed with a soft nature. That this is a very special grace from Allah Ta'ala. This is the reflection of the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala upon him. And this is something to be aspired for, to make an effort for, to ask for. فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ That this being soft with everybody around, with the Sahaba Ikram, with all in his family, with everybody, Allah Ta'ala is saying, this is Allah Ta'ala's rahmat, this is His grace, this is His mercy. And the reflection of His mercy is that this is the effect of it. This is itself to adopt a soft nature to deal with people around one, one's wife, one's children, obviously one's parents. There's nobody that deserves that softness more than them. And then one's family and then extended family, one's neighbors, one's friends and every believer, every living being. Because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's mercy and kindness and compassion 
didn't just extend to the believers, it extended to the disbelievers, it extended even to the animals. It extended to the entire creation of Allah Ta'ala, without exception. Yes, where the line is the line of deen, that within the limits of deen, the soft-naturedness was for everybody. And in dunya, nobody was deprived of this compassion, of this kindness, of this soft-naturedness. If you look into the life of Rasulullah the entire history and seerah is filled with the incidents of the compassion, the kindness, the soft-naturedness of Rasulullah So many incidents in his Mubarak life, just to touch on one or two, once one person comes into the masjid, now this is to show the extreme situations. One person comes into the masjid, this person didn't have the opportunity to really learn what the etiquette is still. So somebody totally new. People are just coming to Islam every day, new person coming every day. This person came in, Bedouin, villager, didn't get any opportunity to really learn anything much. And now he just came for the first time. He came into the masjid. Those days there was no carpets and it was the mud floors. He suddenly needed to relieve himself. He had the urge to relieve himself. He sat down in one corner of the masjid before anybody knew what's going to happen. He started urinating. The Sahaba were enraged. They started waking up to go in his direction, obviously to go and get hold of him, stop him by force. Nabi Islam saw what's going on and what's going to happen. He stopped everybody right there. Just leave him now. And this too, now outwardly it might seem that could allow him to continue uh, soiling the masjid. But this is the hikmat and the wisdom of Rasulullah wasallam. That look, he has already started off something which is soiling the masjid. Now if anybody is going to go try to suddenly stop him, there is a fear that he might start running away from there. And if he starts running away from there, at the moment one spot has been soiled. This might just become the situation, Allah forbid, the whole masjid gets soiled. Now what is a very big lesson in this, that a person who has that understanding, he doesn't just act on an impulse. He doesn't just make an emotional decision. He looks at what is the most realistic thing to do in this situation. In this situation, the most realistic thing and the best thing to do, the most appropriate thing to do, was to rather let him just finish off. Because it's not something that he can stop midway either. In any case, now this person finished off. Nabi Sassam called the Sahaba around, had that sand dug out, washed the place out, and filled it up again with clean sand. Then he called the person. And he sat him down, and he said to him, look, this is the house of Allah Ta'ala. The house of Allah Ta'ala is not a place for this kind of thing. This is a place of ibadat. And he explained to him with such kindness and such compassion that this person was completely taken aback. Another person comes into the masjid. It's now every day things are still in the developing stages. So now the salah initially was just something new for the sahaba. The command of salah just came. 
So as the days were going, they were learning one one thing at a time. So initially a person would come, he would say, Allahu Akbar, join the Imam. He's behind the Imam. Another person would come, uh, he would join the Salah. Sometimes a person came a little bit after the Imam started. So you make Salam to the person next to him, who's already in his Salah. He might even ask him something. And initially that too was still permissible, because it was still in the developing stage. One one command was coming initially. First the command came, don't come close to Salah while intoxicated. Because that intoxication was not yet haram. But then the whole thing became haram. So likewise, first it was permissible to talk. Now in any case, the salah, the command came. This is now not permissible anymore. Now a person will talk, his salah will break. So now this command was just announced. One person wasn't present at that time. He did not yet hear about it. So he came in. And he came in, he joined up with the self. And he's making salam to the person next to him. The person is staring at him in a very reprimanding way. So then somebody else now, because he spoke aloud, somebody else now gave him a very stiff look. He says, I started getting very upset. What's wrong with these people? Why are they looking at me like this? And did I do something wrong? Because he doesn't know he did something wrong. In any case, he says that somehow I just made sabr and I continued and I started my salah and joined Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Sahaba. Finally the salah was over. Then he says, Rasulullah Sallallahu called me. Now he is explaining what Nabi Islam taught him. But before saying what Nabi Islam taught him, he starts off with these words and says, Wallah, I have never seen a teacher better than him. Neither did he rebuke me, nor did he be, say anything harsh to me. He was so kind and compassionate to me. And then he replied, and then he taught me and said to me, that inna hadhi salah, that verily the salah, you cannot talk any other talks in this. This is for the qira, for the tilawat of the Quran Sharif, for tasbih and for the zikr of Allah wa ta'ala. This salah now no more is permissible to talk other things. But that introduction to this point, he meant to explain what Nabi Salaam taught him. But he was so, that impact was so much deeply in him of how he taught him. That, that was the first part of the whole message. That, wallah, I haven't seen any person who was a more compassionate teacher than Rasulullah And he taught me in such a wonderful way. Now this is that lesson of that softness in everyday life. We are all the time having to teach somebody something. Whether it's at home, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's anywhere. We are all the time having to teach somebody that they did something wrong. Maybe that something wrong is not really much wrong, but in our eyes it became a very big wrong. Because... Our clothing should have been kept in a certain way, it got turned maybe 90 degrees skewed a bit. That became a very big problem. Or maybe that whatever was not kept the way it was done the way we liked it. Or maybe somebody presented that meal in a way which was got presented in a way that something got mismatched. So now that mismatch, it just triggered all the, maybe the wires got crossed in our mind. And there were some sparks and shortening. And the whole circuit blew up. So all these things are small things in reality, nothing. But become very big things for us. But now we are all the time having to teach somebody something. This is the lesson Nabi Salaam is teaching us. And Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran Sharif, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ That is the special 
mercy of Allah Ta'ala that you have this nature. So the person blessed with this nature, obviously expressing it within the limits of Shariat. This is a very great rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. And this is something to aspire for, something to make dua for, something to make an effort to acquire. And a person deprived of this, then obviously it becomes a big problem. This akhlaq of Rasulullah wasallam was the same softness. And it is the akhlaq that won the day. Hazrat Ali explained one incident that one person came to him to say that, please show me some wazifa. What wazifa you want? He says, well, my wife went away now. So give me some wazifa that I can bring her back. So what happened? Nothing serious happened. I just gave her one slap. I swore a couple of times and did a few other things. She ran away. Well, nothing much happened. So he gave her one slap and swore at her. So, but if it was turned the other way around, that wouldn't be anything less than qiyamat. But because he meted out this kind of treatment, then it wasn't something much. But I said to him that when you now did all this kind of bad akhlaqi and chased her out, that time you came to ask me for any wazifa, there was a wazifa to chase her away. You chased her away with what? You chased her away with bad akhlaq. Now in any case, wazifa I'll give you, but wazifa is not going to bring her back. It's good akhlaq will bring her back. So he gave him some wazifa. This person went two, three weeks carrying on reading the wazifa. He said, nothing happening still. He says, now you go and you go and with good akhlaq, go and apologize and go and console the family that look now whatever happened is not going to recur and show your good akhlaq and inshallah this will win the day. So finally he humbled himself and he went and apologized and whatever else. So everything came right. But what won it? The akhlaq. So that wazifa got its place. But that wazifa, on the one hand the person is reciting the wazifa that the wazifa that he mustn't get sick but then he's having all that now he's going he's a diabetic he's very very heavily his diabetes is very severe so he's making wazifa that he mustn't get sick and he's having all that mitai every moment see but the sugar mustn't go up that wazifa is carrying on but and the mitai is carrying on too so then after he takes a machine he says the wazifa is not working that wazifa is in its place, but this, this is dunya is darul asbab. So in any case, this is the akhlaq. And Allah Ta'ala is saying, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكِ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ Had you been فض, one meaning of it is foul-mouthed. And غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ heart-hearted. Then everybody would have disappeared from around you. Nobody would have stayed. So many a times it is for us to reflect that if suddenly there seems to be a problem around us, suddenly people are getting all upset with us, there's some big situations just unfolding all the time around us. This person, there's one problem, and that person, another problem, and third person, third problem. So very often what comes to our mind is that everybody is wrong. So sometimes it's necessary for us to reflect and see how much am I wrong. Everybody is wrong, only I am right. Is it perchance the other way around? So this is something to reflect upon, that what is my conduct, how do I express myself? How do I speak? What do I say? I'm saying sometimes maybe the right thing, but am I saying it in the right manner? 
Am I saying it in the way that is part of the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضْضًا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبَ لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ Then Nabi Salaam is being told by Allah Ta'ala, فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ Look, if somebody made a mistake, then you adopt this manner, that فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ Forgive him. Forgive him, don't only stop at that. فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ You then even seek forgiveness on his behalf from Allah Ta'ala. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ You make dua of maghfirat for him. That maybe sometimes he, you did forgive him already, but he's still feeling a little uncertain about whether he has been really forgiven. Maybe he's feeling fine that he got forgiven, but he's still feeling the weight of what happened. His own mistake. But now by you seeking forgiveness on his behalf, this will become a means of his consolement. Allah Ta'ala is saying, go to this extent. Make dua of maghfirat for him. Don't even stop at that. وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ And then consult them in your matters. Whereas Allah and His Rasul are independent of everybody's mashwara. Allah Ta'ala doesn't need anybody's mashwara obviously. And Nabi Wasallam is the recipient of direct wahi from Allah Ta'ala. So he is independent of the mashwara of anybody. Because he is receiving wahi from Allah Ta'ala. But Allah Ta'ala is saying take the mashwara. In this particular aspect, one is the lesson of mashwara itself. That this is something which Allah Ta'ala is commanding Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That despite you being the recipient of wahi, but make this part of the procedure that you will still consult the sahaba. And after consulting them, فَإِذَا عَزَّمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Now you have consulted them, there are various views that will come. Somebody will say something, somebody will say something else. So it's obvious that a decision can't be such that everything is going to be practiced upon. That one decision is, or one view was, that we must do this. And the other view is, don't do it. So now, simultaneously to act on both, that now we decided we're going to both do this and not do it. So you say, mashallah, this person is a sahib karamat. That he's going to do it too and not do it too. Or for example, say, should we go or not go? So some said go, some said don't go. Say, okay, we're going and not going. Allah knows where they're going. So it's obvious you can't do everything at the same time. So now there's going to be one thing or the other. So now the person who is, has to take a decision, Allah Ta'ala is saying, فَإِذَا azamta, When you have now decided on the matter, okay, it should be this, فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Then you have your trust in Allah Ta'ala. Meaning that, don't look at now, okay, what was, who said what, and how many people said what. It doesn't go on the majority. It can be sometimes that the majority of what they said was the better thing. And sometimes it can be the other way around too. So it is what is the correct thing that comes in the heart that this is the best route to take. person will make the decision. But the lesson in this is that Nabi Islam is being told, you make mashwara, you consult them. So what about the rest of us? How important it is that in our issues, in our matters of life, we make mashwara. Let alone the aspects that concern our deen, which affect our deen. Even in matters that affect our dunya in some way or the other, out of the ordinary, something that's not part of the day-to-day run of the mill things which are straightforward. Then, because that too eventually somehow starts having an effect on a person's deen also. It might be affecting his mu'amalat, it might be affecting his mu'asharat, it might be some akhlaqi matter that will get affected some way or the other. So now this mashwara, 
is what helps a person to make the right decision. And this is not something that every person, whoever gives that mashwara, he's got some kind of whatever that he can just, it's Allah Ta'ala makes it happen that on the barakat of that process, that a person undertook the process which is established from the Qur'an Sharif, which is a sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu everything coming from Nabi Sallallahu is filled with barakat. And now somebody adopts that process, Allah Ta'ala puts that barakat. And sometimes that solution that wasn't in the heart and mind of anyone, neither the person asking, nor the person who is being asked. Nobody had the faintest idea about this being can be the possible solution. But when that mashwara is made, that suddenly is like a light came on. What brought that light on is the barakat of that mashwara. This is the barakat of sunnat. This is the barakat of following what Allah wa ta'ala has commanded. So Allah ta'ala is saying that you adopt this process of mashwara. And in this particular aspect, context, that by making mashwara with the sahaba, somebody has made a mistake, you forgave him, you made dua of maghfirat on his behalf. Now even taking his mashwara and asking his view, okay, what do you feel in this matter? That also becomes a means of tremendous consolation to him. That I haven't been now distanced and cut off. I'm still around. I'm still considered. That joins the hearts. Now imagine to what extent Allah wa ta'ala is commanding who? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who was the most beloved to the sahaba. They loved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than they loved themselves. More than they loved their parents. This was be, a regular statement would come on their tongues. Fidaka abi wa ummi. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would ask them something or they wanted to say something. Very often they would commence with Fidaka abi wa ummi. May my parents be sacrificed for you. I can sacrifice my parents for you. But I can't see any difficulty come upon you. To interact with all levels of society. Those who are together with us in one masjid. Those who travel with us maybe to work. Whatever it might be. This conduct of Wasallam, soft naturedness, inculcating this in our inculcating this sins. This is actually the essence of the sawuf, this akhlaq. Otherwise, Allah, if it is only ibadat and minus akhlaq, ibadat is extremely important. But if it is minus akhlaq, asharat, then the, all the wrongs that will happen in the aspects of muasharat, muamala, that on the day of qiyamah, deprived of all the ibadat also. Because the ibadat will all get paid out to others. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala says in that situation, Allah does with this beautiful akhlaq of Rasulullah and grant us a tawfiq in his footsteps, bringing it to our lives. Allah ta'ala make us his true and obedient servants. Alhamdulillah.